Hi, welcome to the Feel Great, Look Good podcast, brought to you by Organa Beauty and Wellbeing. I'm Nikki Richards, your host, and I'm excited to talk to experts, brands, and remarkable people about their journey and how they see beauty from the inside out. We want to change the conversation and inspire you to make conscious choices by connecting mind, body, and planet so that you can feel great and look good. If you'd like to know more about Organa Beauty and Wellbeing, please visit our official website at www.organabeautywellbeing.com. Beauty needs to make you feel great as well as look good. In today's episode of Feel Great, Look Good, we'll be talking to Rob Suchet, transformative body coach and director of health. As an award-winning expert, Rob has been described in the press as one of the country's best personal trainers. His passion and purpose is to help people achieve lasting health and body shape transformations, which he does using a functional medicine approach through education and coaching. As a former Royal Marines commando, Rob went on to train in sports science and functional medicine. We spoke to him about his holistic approach that has helped hundreds of people around the world to improve fundamental health issues like stress, weight regulation, energy levels and hormone imbalances. We also dive into one of the programs that Rob has developed alongside Alpha Metabolics called Apples and Pears, where he focuses on these different body types and the biology and psychology behind making sustainable, transformative changes. It was totally inspiring speaking to Rob, and you can find details about the Apples and Pears program at www.applesandpears.uk. But for now, kick back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. So I'm here today on the Feel Great, Look Good podcast with Rob Suchet. Hello, Rob. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. I have been keen to speak to you for a while and very excited that I'm speaking to a, an award-winning personal trainer, health coach and functional nutritionist. So you've got a, I can't wait to find out more about what you do and, and, and talk about all the people that you help. We were sort of in our preamble talking about how I came to know about you because you helped my very dear friend Nina and when she was going through a transition in her life and you helped literally transform not only her body but transform her life and now she's married she has two children and we were sort of talking about how having sort of helped her she has gone on to live and and sustain those changes and carry on those healthy habits for, for her family as well but really I suppose it's to ask you how you got into this and we'll go on to talk a little bit about what you do with apples and pears but how did you get into this well um yeah well, thanks thanks very much for having me and, and and for introducing me like that and and it it was great working with nina uh, several years ago now i think one of the things we were also talking about isn't it it was the, the beauty of what i do um is is the ability to not just help the the client that's working with me but but how it carries over and rolls on into into family and friends and someone you work with it's yeah it's great it's great to think that that might have helped more people than I think but then how how did I get into it yes well always been interested in health and fitness and um, nutrition I've got to thank my my mum for that probably she was back in the 80s she was the the crazy mum who traveled across London to the one health food shop to buy whatever whatever it was that she was uh, so she was searching for she was working with uh, a naturopath at the time um, and she picked up a lot from him and, and I think that's probably 
been passed on, maybe subliminally, but um, but I'm sure I've, I've inherited some of that. But I, I graduated as a sports scientist and then pretty much had a break from, from all that. I went, went and joined the Royal Marines and spent seven years, pretty much seven years overseas, or at least more than half of it overseas. And then when I left uh, in 2009 was really when I got started as a coach. Um, so I trained, trained, retrained as a personal trainer, lent on my undergraduate sports science background um, and started to, to coach people and very quickly realized that the people who were getting the results, the people who were getting the, the biggest impact from what I was offering them were the ones who weren't just training hard, exercising, doing, doing what they were told, but it was the ones who really embraced the whole, the whole aspect of the change. So nutrition, lifestyle, stress, sleep. These were the people who were, who were really getting the, the benefits. And, and that made me so much, so hungry for, to find out more about, about what's going on there and, and how internal your internal health plays over into your ability to achieve what might have been at the beginning, a, a weight loss goal or a body goal. So I then went and became a, uh, went and studied, and did, went back as a uh, postgraduate to do a master's in nutritional therapy, which then enabled me to work with sick people too, not just healthy people who wanted to lose a bit of weight and tone up. But, but now I was working in, in a clinical environment with patients who had chronic health conditions like diabetes, heart disease, autoimmune problems, hormonal imbalances, thyroid problems, digestive disorders, mental health. I mean, this was, this was a completely different level to the work that I had been doing two, three years earlier as a, as a personal trainer. And then that's kind of come back full circle into, into everything I do now and, and everything I teach and, and my team and, and what we teach uh, is, is informed by, by that, I suppose, that unique journey. It's fantastic. And I think from what we've spoken about, a big element of, of what you do is about sustainable change. And it's not just about eating less or exercising more. And you've mentioned the sort of some of those elements around stress and sleep, etc. Maybe we can just dive straight in and talk about how you, you know, help people achieve kind of lasting and transformative change, not just quick fixes. And, and that's why I was really keen to talk to you, because I think so much of what we see is there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of misinformation, but a lot of it is about, you know, a quick, immediate fix. And you're just not about that. So it would be great if you could tell me a little bit more about your approach and this idea of saying, yeah, it's not just about eating less and exercising more. You know, you want your clients to achieve sustainable change. How do you go about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, let, let's deal with that first that first statement that to achieve um, the health and the body you want, you just need to eat less and exercise more. I hear it all the time. And it's amazing. I hear, I hear it from other nutritionists. I hear it from from doctors, um, as well as magazines and the general public. It's it's still the perceived way to do it, isn't it? This is how to how to lose weight. Is just cut your calories, do more exercise, and you'll just see it. You'll see it come off. And the the problem I have with this is that's great for as long as it lasts, but in cutting calories and using calorie restriction as your solution you don't learn anything about what your body needs. And, and I think there's a real um, challenge to, to mental health as well, because what it does is it teaches you that the more you eat, the worse it is, and the less you eat, the better you are. So it ultimately makes, puts all foods in the same category and then says food is, food is bad, food is the enemy. 
And to me as a nutritional therapist, that's anathema because food, in my opinion, is our medicine. It can be our poison too. But unless we understand about the nutrients that our individual bodies need, unless we understand how to nourish ourselves in a way that will achieve, not only achieve the body that we want, the health that we want, but the, the long-term, as you say, the, the long-term transformative change, unless you understand that, then there'll come a time when you don't want to live in a calorie deficit anymore. And a lot of the diets, the kind of commercial diets out there, they're, they're branded differently, but ultimately they're all trying to achieve the same thing, which is just getting people to eat less. So whether it's, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to list names, but <laughs> in, in, you know the ones, all the, all the big names. Yeah. They they've got different they've got different branding around it. They've got different language. They talk about points or sins or um, cheat day or falling off the wagon. All this very negative language. At the point at which you do decide you don't want to live in a calorie deficit because it makes you feel miserable. You're perhaps got low energy. You're not sleeping as well. You you're grumpy. Um, all of these things are really common for people who are, who are dieting. The moment you stop then you're labelled as a quitter and you gave up because for some reason you didn't have the motivation or willpower to stick with a programme that delivered you initial results, which in, in so doing validated the programme. But because you've given up, you, it's your fault, you're a failure. So what's that teaching people? How's that helping their mental health? And then when they go build up the courage to do it again, because this is how the, the business model of the big diets works is people build up the courage to do it again and they go i'm gonna you know it's january i'm gonna do another i'm gonna do i'm gonna do it again three months down the line when they're tired and miserable and they've had some weight loss and they just don't want to do it anymore then they they fall off the wagon that kind of negative language again and it all happens again the cycle continues no education no sustainable strategy um, and that this is this is the problem i have and the contention i have with um with that approach so how do we do it differently? Yeah. <laughs> well, as, a, as a functionally trained uh, nutritional therapist, it's all about understanding the nuances of each individual's health. And no two people are the same on the inside as we are on the outside. Thinking that one prescription for nutrition or one type of exercise is going to be appropriate for a whole room full of different people or even, <clears throat> even two different people are not going to benefit in the same way from the same plan. So everything we do is completely customized to the individual. And health is our goal rather than weight. Weight and weight loss is the result of improving the fundamental pillars of your health. If you are able to improve your energy balance, improve your sleep, regulate your hormones, improve your digestion, improve your body's response to stress, if you focus on these, not only are you making incredible investment in your health, it's mutually reinforcing, it's improving your, from a mental health side of things as well, it's highly motivational, you're, you're really investing in yourself. And if the effect of that, which inevitably it is, is that you lose weight, then that's the endorsement that you need. Not focusing on the scale weight every day, week in, week out, how many pounds have I lost this week, how many pounds have I lost this week, what about how have I managed to nourish myself in, in the right way for so many days in a row? How have I managed to 
go to bed at a sensible time or drink enough water or whatever it is, whatever the prescription is for that individual. It's often about adherence to that rather than using weight as the as the validation all the time. So in yeah, ultimately long long way of answering your question. Um, but the individualized prescription of nutrition, lifestyle and exercise is is what we're all about. And that sounds great. I mean you really are looking at, you know, the root causes, aren't you, of the those imbalances um that then the the cause or sorry, the effect may be weight gain, but yeah, you know, addressing absolutely. addressing those balances are imbalances, should I say, are the key. And I, I love mm-hmm. the way. I mean, I've spoken to recently a naturopath who um, absolutely advocates this approach to say, look, we're all different. Just because someone down the road has has done X, Y, and Z, you know, your body might need something different. I suppose also um, we're going to go on and talk about um, some of the programs that you do, but for women particularly, um, a lot of our you know, clients, customers, um, people we speak to are women that have gone through some sort of transition, whether it be from adolescence, um, from teenagehood or becoming a new mother or like me going through menopause. Do you, you know, that's that's something that I, I'm sure comes into play and, and something that you think about when you work with with your own clients. Absolutely. And really one of the, one of the, the things you're talking about here is change. And, and from a from a clinical perspective, the things that are happening inside the body at all the times of change that you mentioned just then um, are hormonal changes and this is why we or me I've, I've personally become so interested um, in hormonal health and, and hormonal changes and how and how the role of hormones ultimately dictates everything that happens inside our body it's it's the language that our body uses to communicate with itself different tissues in our bodies um, respond to to hormonal signals and and when our body's going through change it's it's almost always because of changes in our hormones and actually the whole if i may that the the concept of apples and pears which is what we do is supposed to be a bit light-hearted a bit tongue-in-cheek but it's it's about that it's about the fact that no two people are the same shape therefore if you're body shape and this is this is really important is that actually your body shape is a blueprint of your hormones so i mean this is this goes back a long way um but ultimately the hormonal imbalances in your body dictate whether you are storing more weight carrying more weight around your middle or around your thighs or your legs and this is huge when it comes to ultimately the the nutrition or the exercise the lifestyle prescription that's going to be appropriate for you and um, so the whole apples and pears thing it, yeah it's it's supposed to be quite light-hearted but it's it's a very serious point and that, and that is about hormones hormones control control everything it's interesting because obviously you've recently written you know, another book around metabolic health for men, um, alpha metabolics, which addresses the fact that, you know, hormones and and metabolic health in men is different um, to women. Um, And it's great to hear that apples and pears 
identifies that we're also different and we respond to things in different ways. So maybe we can focus on on that programme. I know that if people go to, is it www.applesandpears.uk, they can find out more about it. And I know your Instagram is... Applesandpears.uk for both. both. So it's applesandpears.uk for both Instagram and the website. Um, And it's a a pioneering, I think it's a, you say it lighthearted, but it's a a gentle way of introducing something very serious that you do. Um, so what is what was behind apples and pears? What what did you see in your clients? What what was the driving force behind this? And 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 how has it helped women um, make those sustainable changes? Yeah, the great great question. And and I'm afraid I can't take all the credit for for this. This is something that's preceded me by um, by decades. In fact, um, it's over a hundred years ago when German scientists were identifying and categorizing different body shapes. And it's when they first identified um, the pear shape or the gynoid body shape um, and and the the centrally stored body shape, which we now call an apple shape. But also I've got to give some credit to um, a strength and conditioning coach who's actually, he's dead now. His name's Charles Poliquin. And as a, as a young personal trainer, he, he was the one who first made me aware of, of the close connection between hormones and body shape um, through, through a technique that he was using teaching at the time. But it was also as a work, so he, he coached at the very highest level, um, Olympians and world-class athletes. And this is actually comes, a lot of it comes from his data. So over 30 years of doing blood work <clears throat> and skinfold measurements and comparing the two uh, and, and, realizing that there was a very very strong correlation between the imbalances that he was seeing in the blood work and the hormone data and the skinfold measurements and the places on on people's bodies that store well, the, where they store their body fat and th- so th- this literally just introduced me to the idea and and then i've taken it on to make it make it my own and, and put it into practice and actually one of the first things um i did three or four years ago was to create uh, the apples and pears course, which in our studio was uh, an in-person course where apple shaped women would come at one time uh, and get one type of exercise and nutrition. And then pear shapes would come at a different time. Um, and it was amazing. And the results were staggering because what, what I was able to do, what we were doing was effectively we were delivering a group program, but addressing individual issues individual hormonal imbalances by putting people with the same hormonal imbalances effectively mm-hmm. together so they were happy because they were getting uh, a level of insight into their bodies and um, a prescription for their exercise and their nutrition that was completely relevant and appropriate for them as an individual but they weren't paying the premium of one-to-one uh, or coming coming for consultation after consultation on a one-to-one basis so yeah, that's where that's where it all started. And it's great that it's um, data driven. It's it's based on research. It's based on um, you know research practice, informed practice, which is great to know. And I think that's important as well because it's it's a you know a process. Um, but I mean, I I know I, I'm an for example, I'm a uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot now, Rob. But uh, I'm I'm an apple shape uh, definitely. My mum's been an apple shape. And, okay. Um, what would you say? Um, I mean. What what are the kind of you know, I suppose quick um, advice you'd give to a to an apple um, shaped person? 
the reason the reason people store fat around their middle, um, and here we're talking about visceral fat, which is around the organs inside the abdominal cavity, and we're talking about the subcutaneous fat on the outside, so the stuff you can grab. But ultimately, together they create this um, this rounding of the abdomen um, and the apple body shape. And for apples, it's all, it's two hormones that are really the, the key to this. The first one is insulin. And insulin is a hormone that's produced by your pancreas in response to eating carbohydrates, so sugars and starches, sweet foods, and, uh, and foods that easily get broken down into sugars like breads, rice, cereal, pasta, potatoes, which ultimately are just, uh, starches are just long, complex molecules of sugars. So when you digest them, all of these foods raise your blood sugar and your body produces insulin. Insulin tells your body to store that energy. Um, and that's, that's a really important function of the human body. Like that's, that's healthy. That's how we're supposed to be designed. But problems start to arise or imbalances start to arise when our bodies build up a, a, a resistance, a, a deafness, if you like, to the method. Um, and this this happens way way before any kind of diagnosis, like before any blood work is um, <clears throat> at the even at the edge of the scale. But if your body, uh, and this is probably to do with your your genetics, your inheritance, where your ancestors are from on the planet makes a big makes a big difference here. But <clears throat> having this sensitivity to ultimately to sugary and starchy foods um, and a potential uh, towards insulin resistance makes it more likely you're going to store more fat around your around your abdomen and around your waist, so your love love handles. And the other the other hormone that's at play here is is the hormone cortisol, and cortisol is a stress hormone. It's released in response to stress, and I don't mean just necessarily um, psychological stress, but there's loads of different ways that our bodies can be under stress. It could be nutritional stress. It could be toxic. It could be emotional. Um, it could be physical. Exercise is a physical stress on the body. And some types of exercise raise levels of cortisol as well. And long-term elevated cortisol also triggers abdominal and visceral fat storage. And insulin and cortisol also work together. So I don't know how <clears throat> how much more detail you want, but they have a they have a relationship where when one's high, the other's low, and when the other's high, the other's low. Um, so basically, if they're both working hard, these glands, um, the adrenal glands and the pancreas, if they're both, if one's working hard, they're both working hard. And if they're both working hard, you're basically storing more more abdominal fat. So that's how it happens. Next, I suppose you're going to ask what what can you do about it? And this is about yeah, this is about being aware of, of the foods that trigger this. And for, for apples, it is mostly about this. It's mostly about the foods. It's much more in, in your control than it is for pears. I'll come on to that. But it is about reducing sugars, reducing the starchy foods in, in your diet, sweeteners, and stimulants like caffeine, because caffeine triggers the adrenal glands to produce, it gives you that jolt to produce adrenaline and cortisol. Um, but it's the sugars, the starches, the sweeteners that, that trigger the insulin response. So those are the things, those are the kind of headline things to avoid. 
but it's also really important that as a and an, as a nutritional therapist then whenever i recommend people avoiding things or taking things out of their diet it's really important that they replace them with something else otherwise they're effectively back on the old calorie restriction again so what what's really important for apples is to replace them with usually more a little bit more protein because a lot of a lot of people don't realize how much protein their body needs just to be healthy um, it's not just for bodybuilders protein is not just for guys lifting weights men women of all ages need a certain amount of protein every day just just to be healthy just for the liver to be able to detoxify effectively um, but also having enough protein in your diet is great for helping maintain stable energy levels blood sugar levels so enough protein healthy fats and we probably haven't got time to go into this today but fats have been vilified for the last 30 40 years and um i kind of see it as my personal mission to help re-educate people around the importance of getting the right fats in their diet and making sure they're getting enough fat in their diet and particularly when it comes to apples so for apples it's really important that they're getting enough healthy fats and by healthy fats i mean um, the fats from oily fish nuts seeds avocados these are the, these are the fats that are going to really give you energy when you're removing one of the other sources of energy which is sugars and, and carbohydrates but fiber also very important um but those are the, those are the main things if you're, I, if you're taking, notes. taking notes and <laughs> patting myself on the back also because uh um, I've replaced, oh, wow. um, you know, many sort of starchy carbohydrates for the good fats. Um, so uh, I, ha- I have to give myself a pat on the back for that, for that as well. <laughs> um, but I think it's interesting because I think even as a nation, I know, I know you've done a lot of work around sort of, you know, um, obesity and, and how we're facing obesity as a, a nation at the moment. But it, it, it seems to be well known that fiber is hugely important, but none of us are getting enough of it. Um, and uh, that must be disheartening for you sometimes, but. Uh... Fiber is one of those things that's, that's gone in and out of favor. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely of the mind that it's, it's a really important part of, of our diet and has been forever. Um, fiber is, I don't know if we'll come on to it later, but Fiber is one of the things that sustain the, the bacteria that live in our gut. Um, and, and gut health is at the absolute foundation of, of health. So making sure that we get enough fiber from our diet. Um, and by, by this, I mean the soluble and insoluble. So the roughage, um, as well as things like um, the soluble fiber that we can get from things like flax or oats, um, all have a really important role in, in our digestive health. Um, so yeah, very important, and, and I think for a lot of people that they, they don't realise actually how how many plants as uh, our ancestors would have eaten in a in a day or a week. Um, and one of the things that I try and help people to do is to make sure that half of their plate um, at every meal is made up of of plants. Because I was going to ask you, you know, about the fibre, where that where does that come from? But also, actually, um, you know, gut health is very important and. I was going to ask you about the plant-based diet because again there's so much um that's been written about it talked about it you know uh footballers and you know all, all celebrities are talking about plant-based diets um and maybe this is just a you know opportunity just to quickly because I, 
feel like I've got so much to talk to you about. But um, before we go on to pears, just quickly kind of do a little segue into your your views on plant-based um, food and diets and how we can yeah. incorporate more of it. Really tricky one, Nikki, and uh, I, I'm a bit conflicted internally on this because all the all the reasons why people choose to go on a plant-based diet, I, I'm, I subscribe to. Um, in the environment and animal welfare being the, the biggest two. Um, I, I think that's it's really important that we recognise um, that we all have responsibility to do something to try and make the, make our world a better place and and to to be more responsible human beings. And and one of the ways we can do that is by moving to more of a plant-based diet. On the other side, as a nutritional therapist, I know I can see the the nutritional challenges of doing that. Um, and if I'm for purely from a health side of things, I still am yet to see the evidence stack up for how a plant-based diet can improve your health. Sure, if you live off junk food and fast food, then switching more towards eating more vegetables and um, uh, seasonal fruit and nuts and seeds is going to improve your diet. But if you're already eating a relatively healthy diet, then by removing all animal products, meat, fish, dairy from your diet, then you're gonna, you're, you'll face some significant nutrient challenges. And there are some nutrients you just can't get from plants. Um, so I, I am conflicted because ideologically, I get it. But from a health side of things, it's not something, it's not something I would prescribe. It's something I work a lot with. And we have quite a lot of vegetarian and vegan clients. Um, and we've, we've created supporting materials and, and nutrition plan and meal suggestions and, and all of this to help, to help people who have made that choice. But it's important also that we, we stress the specific nutrient deficiencies that are common with a, with a plant-based diet um, and how, how people can, how they can overcome those. And one of the, one of the this is ironic, in it, that actually quite a lot of the people on a plant-based diet that we see, and maybe it's because of the work we do, but they have real problems with their weight. And this goes into one of the reasons why people gain weight in the first place being toxicity. And there are loads of toxins all in our environment. In fact, we live in an environment that's more toxic than ever in our evolutionary history. Um, and the liver in particular, the kidneys, the lungs, the skin, are working really hard all the time to detoxify our bodies, to get rid of these, these toxins. And protein is fundamental. Having enough amino acids in your diet is fundamental for the liver to be able to complete one of the phases it has to go through to be able to properly eliminate these toxins from diet and and when people switch to a plant-based diet one of the biggest challenges is to get enough enough protein because if you can't detoxify the toxins in your body then your body will naturally package them into fat cells because it doesn't want the organs to be exposed so it gets them out of the bloodstream it packages toxins in fat and it might be if you if you've been overweight in the past, it, it might be filling up old fat cells because fat cells never disappear; they just shrivel up, so they can be easily refilled, or they make new ones. So the, the body makes new fat cells to store toxins, and often we find that actually once we can help vegans in particular, but vegetarians sometimes too, once we can help them reach a, a threshold of their protein intake, their body naturally 
becomes leaner because it can finally release these toxins and they're not constantly recirculating and repackaging them in fat cells. Absolutely fascinating. And, and you know, you, you talked about changing imbalance, but what you're talking about is balance, isn't it? Exactly. Um, and getting that balance back in all those different elements. Um, I think the, the phrase, a balanced diet, <laughs> I don't think anyone knows what that means. um what is it what is a balanced diet most people think they know what it means um but i I think when actually when you when you dig a little bit deeper they have no idea because if if is a low fat diet a balanced diet well clearly not because it's low in fat is a is a vegan diet a balanced diet no of course not because you're eliminating huge sections of um of, of your 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 food chain i don't know i think i think a balanced diet is misleading and actually what we need is the right diet and using the word diet in, in its true sense, not in a restrictive sense, but um, as in the food we eat, it, it, it's making sure that it's the right diet for us as an individual. And I think that's the most important thing. And just going back to that, I think, um, because we don't want to leave out the pears, obviously, um, it's no. all well and good that I'm an apple, but... Um, There'll be a lot of pears to... out there saying, exactly. what about, what about me? <laughs> Exactly. So before I go on to another very important topic, maybe we could just quickly talk about the pears and mm. and, and their body shape and, and, and some advice for them. OK, yeah, for sure. So whereas apples is all to do with insulin, cortisol, um, diabetes, when it comes to pears, the, certainly the, the, kind of the, the symptoms and the presentation is, is more than just body shape. Often uh, women who store more fat around their hips, bum and thighs and have done for many years, come with with a load of other symptoms too, things like water retention, irregular periods, um, mood swings, even things like fibroids. And these are all to do with a hormonal imbalance that's commonly called estrogen dominance. And what this means is it doesn't mean that you necessarily have too much estrogen or your body's overproducing. It just means that the balance is out. The balance between estrogen and the other hormones like progesterone and testosterone estrogen has become dominant and that's what that's what not only triggers some of these hormonal symptoms but it also triggers more fat storage on the lower body so that's the one thing i just wanted to to make that connection and if if people are listening and the women i've worked with over the last 10 11 years and who who are definitively pear-shaped it's it's uncanny how many have have also had those similar those symptoms. So for for pears, when it comes to nutrition, there are some really important things and importantly different things from apples. So we want to reduce the amount of estrogen we're getting from the environment when we're talking about pears because there are chemicals in our environment that mimic estrogen inside the body, natural chemicals that plants make, plants like soy coffee to an extent um, but artificial chemicals as well like fertilizers and agricultural chemicals some of the chemicals in, in plastics like um, PCBs uh, PCAs phthalates these are all quite hormone disruptive because of how they mimic estrogen when they get inside the body so so we need to reduce these foods soy is probably the biggest the biggest culprit so for a pear who's drinking soy milk lattes every day I would say, we need to replace that with something else. Um, dairy is also quite naturally high in estrogen. So we tend to encourage 
pairs to reduce the amount of dairy in their diet. Uh, if they can't um, get their head around that, then um, there's less in the dairy from sheep and goats than from cows, so that would be a positive step as well. But one thing that, that upsets a lot of the pairs that we work with is the fact that alcohol has quite a big impact on the body's ability to detoxify estrogen because it competes for the enzymes in your liver with with estrogen. So they effectively, it's like two people trying to leave the room through the same door. And because alcohol is a foreign toxin, the body doesn't recognize it, it gets priority. So it beats estrogen to the door every time. And what happens then is your body just recycles that estrogen, um, compounding the problem. So yeah, when when pairs come to me saying, hey, like, what, what, what can I drink? What, what about alcohol? I have to say that less is best when it comes to alcohol. Um, but then on the, on the plus side of things, um, things to include in their nutrition, again, they're going to benefit from having sufficient protein because with estrogen, it's about making sure that we're processing it and metabolizing it and getting out of the body. So that's making sure that your liver is supported nutritionally and everything I talked about earlier when it came to protein and detoxification is going to, is going to carry over here too, but also making sure that the digestive tract is working well, that you've got enough fiber, that you're, you're transiting healthily um, and that you're able to eliminate um, through your bowels. So things like staying hydrated, having enough fiber in the diet and potentially introducing prebiotic foods, things like naturally fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, um, they're going to be great and especially important when it comes to pears. And another thing that's uh, great for helping estrogen detoxification is cruciferous vegetables. So these are the dark green cabbage family of vegetables because of how they contain a particular chemical called indole-3-carbonyl that is used by the liver to, in the process of detoxifying estrogen. Broccoli, cabbage, sprouts, kale, uh, all of the, all of those those dark green vegetables that contain this I3C chemical. Um, yeah, so they're the main ones. And on a lifestyle side of things, it's trying to avoid exposure to things like plastics, big impact for estrogen dominance. And we live in a world where almost all our food comes wrapped in plastic and our drinks and plastic water bottles. Um, there'll be a certain amount of the chemicals from that plastic that get into into the products that we then consume. And the chemicals that mimic estrogen are then going to be um, disruptive to our very sensitive um, hormonal uh, hormone balance. So organic is, is going to be more important for pears than, say, for apples, because of how it reduces by choosing to eat more organic food. Um, and it doesn't have to necessarily have the, the label and the, the controversial aspects of that. But, you know, if you're eating food from your local farm that's practicing using natural methods and, and organic practices, even if they can't afford the stamp, you know, you're going to know that you're having you're being exposed to less of those agricultural chemicals um, and therefore hopefully helping your body naturally become less toxic and and support better support estrogen detoxification that's absolutely fantastic you know really helpful and i'm glad i i um was able to help the pairs as well <laughs> um but that's i think that's very um it, it gives us a lot of food for thought 
and um, I think helps people to understand, you know, what they can what they can do. Some 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 easy wins as well. It's it's quite intuitive what you're talking about in a way, isn't it as well? Yes, I think you know a lot of what I've said people may have heard before, and, and um, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just trying to help people understand the the specific nuances that are appropriate for them, um, and why. Um, if you're if you're an apple eating like a pear, exactly. <laughs> you might not be getting the results you want. And if you're a pear eating like an apple, <laughs> you know perhaps perhaps the low carb keto approach is not as appropriate for you as it as it might be for someone else. No, it's fascinating, and and thank you for that, Rob. I mean, as I said, I could I could talk to you for hours. And um, at the end of this, we'll we'll revisit where people can find you again. Um, one of the things that I thought, obviously. Um, you know something I'm interested in, and and I know that um, as a coach, and 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 something that you do when you work with people is about supporting them, um, because we've talked a lot about the the biology um, and the kind of the, the the functional side of it. I suppose with my background in psychology, I was very interested in what you were talking about when you spoke about providing people with support, and importantly, something that you said that struck me was. Um, when you want people to make sustainable change, a lot of what you do is helping people change their behaviours and change their habits. Even more interestingly, something you said that that's really struck me is about when people change their perceptions, they make those long lasting changes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and, 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 and your approach and what that means for people wanting to make change? Yes, of course. Um, so this comes from the the urgent requirement for us to move from in-person training and coaching and consultancy back uh, this time last year to delivering everything that we do remotely. Um, and I think, as I said to you, the, the thought, because we we become very established um, as delivering a very high level of service on a on a one to one basis, the thought of how we might do that uh, on a, in a remote environment um, just just scared scared the living daylights out of me. So we had had some help, and um, a coach in Northern Ireland actually helped me look at what we were doing and, and the things that were the most valuable aspects of what we were doing, and then introduce introducing perhaps other things that we we weren't doing so well and and what it made me realize is that actually to help people understand and achieve lasting transformative change which is what for me that's what it's all about um, it's about change that lasts and um, more has to happen than just being given the right appropriate nutrition uh, or being exercised or trained in the right way and we're very lucky that uh, we brought into onto our team um, a well-known mindset coach and, and psychologist called Pete Cohen, um, and he worked with us for several months, coaching us, but also creating content for our mindset mastery modules, which is, is part of what we do. Um, but one of the things that really really sticks with me that, that he said was, "People don't change because we tell them to change; they change when their perspective changes," and that is the essence of what we're talking about here. We're talking about what we what, what we try and do is help people change their perspective, and this is when, when we're going through change. And actually, you know, no one should be under any illusion to lose body weight 
to change your health in a lasting way is probably one of the biggest challenges you'll ever do because the reason that you are the way you are, the reason that you are the weight you are, is because of how your body and your genes have interacted with your environment for the whole of your life. And when you turn around and you say, I want, I want to change, I want to have a healthy body, I want to have a lean body in the next six months and for the rest of my life, what you're actually saying is, I'm going to have to become... I'm going to have to become a new version of myself. I'm going to have to change the way I behave. I'm going to have to change my habits. I'm going to have to change the way I think. I'm going to have to see myself in a new way. Because otherwise, what's going to happen is if you continue to see yourself in the old way, in the way that you, the identity that you perceive yourself up until this point, then introducing all of these new nutrition and behaviors and habits and exercise. Is, is only going to last so long because it's unnatural for your perspective, for your, your current identity. What we have to do is help people transition into a new identity, a, a way of seeing yourself in a completely different way relative to your environment. And then things like behavioral change, habits, nutrition, exercise feels so much more natural and much more likely to last because it's it's congruous with the person who you've become rather than just a behavior that you're trying to adhere to i'm not sure if that did i make <laughs> did i make that sense I'm not... yeah absolutely i think when um when i was thinking about this i was thinking about you know from what you're saying it's about you know that that congruence between your the perception of yourself and um, you know your identity. I mean, well, the perception and your identity is really important. So, for example, I now say, um, you know, I didn't, I never used to walk anywhere. I'd walk the dog, but you know, I'd jump in the car because I'd say, oh, I haven't got time. I've got to, you know, you know. But now I say to myself, no, I I walk everywhere. I'm a walker. I I I want to get my steps in. I enjoy it. I love it. It's part of my life, um, and it's about uh, now. <clears throat> me seeing myself as somebody who um who walks and who walks everywhere and um I've linked that to me being healthy and the perception of myself as a healthier person because I would rather walk than than take the car because um you know I'm quite competitive so I'm going to get my steps in I'm going to be you know um striding and then I see well you know walking is meditation so I see even more benefits from it um and uh, and it just becomes it's become part of my identity and it's stuck and you know that's how I've made lasting change I know that's a very small example but I think that's what you're talking about really aren't you yeah that's exactly that's exactly what I'm talking about Nikki and identity is at the heart of all this and and I don't mind sharing that on sometimes the first time I speak to people um I hear them say things like um I'm a big I'm a big lady or I've always been big I, this is who I am. And in my head, I'm thinking, ah, do you know what? That's, that's going to be part of what we need to change. Uh, and it reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of a story of someone I worked with many years ago who I, I've stayed in touch with. Um, and her name's Amanda and she was from Liverpool. So scouser, full of energy, I think pushing 50 at the time, five foot nothing and four stone over her target weight when when we first met and I at the time had a, a scruffy little studio on the outside outskirts of Bath 
uh, and a rickety staircase to get up to. It was a, in a loft above six car garages. Uh, and I just finished with one client and then I heard these stomp, stomp, stomp footsteps coming up the rickety staircase. And then this ball of energy came into the room and practically knocked me backwards onto my chair. And she said, there's a size eight gymnast under this. Get her out. <laughs> and I, you know, it was amazing. And the reason I tell this story is because in her head, who she identified as, her identity was still this energetic, sprightly, size eight gymnast. And the four stone form that had been created around who she felt she was, was blocking her ability to express herself to the world and for the world to see who she really was. So she'd done that, I suppose she'd done that work herself um, and made that made that connection. She And it was just with her, it was a case of doing what she, then doing what she needed to do to shed the skin. And that's what we did. And we worked together for four months and she lost a stone for every month. Um, and at, at the end of our time together, I arranged for her to go and have some one-to-one gymnastic coaching at the local gymnastic centre. So she went full circle and, and really fulfilled that dream. And for me, that that's what it's all about. It's about identity. And once you can make that that shift, and it's not just about weight loss. You know, it's, this applies to anything in life. It applies, applies to smokers. You know, I'm a smoker or I'm a non-smoker. Um, any fundamental change has to start with a change in your perspective. Absolutely. And I think um, what you do is, is, is so important there. And that addition of uh, mindset coaching um, is, I think, a huge game changer for, for everybody that you will work with. Um, I think the other aspect, um, I did sort of touch upon it, but you've also said that, you know, through the new approach and, and through you working with people from, I think you said Bath to Barbados, you know, you're working globally now, um, <laughs> is um, this yeah, aspect yeah. of support and, and being there for people um definitely so they don't feel like they're on their own because it's i mean you know that's quite important as well isn't it oh 100 percent um and this this goes hand in hand with what we were saying earlier about change and fundamentally changing who you are and your behaviors being one of the most difficult things you're going to do in your life Um, and if you're doing it on your own your chance of success and reinforcing that success is is much harder so one of the things that i quickly learned was that the people need to know you're there. People need to know that you're on the end of a, um, a, a WhatsApp or a signal message or a, or a phone call. And this is a big part of what we do. And, and the reason that I think we've managed to help so many people in the last year from all over the world, as you say, is it doesn't matter where they are in the world. We are, we are engaging with them every day. We're talking to them, we're, we're WhatsApping them, we're um, Zooming them um, so that they know that during this period of change, this, this, this difficult transition in their life, their coach is with them. Even if I can't be stood by them, even if we can't be next, you know, in the room next door, to know that we're on the end of a message and there's a call in the diary every week and that we're going to be following up and checking up on them. Sometimes it's just, a, it's just to say, hey, how are you feeling this morning? And that's enough, you know, it, it makes them it makes them connect with what they're doing. And gradually the support 
doesn't need to be as great. And this is why uh, we work with people typically for three months, um, for 12 weeks. So while we're, we engage with them every day for the first four to six weeks, gradually towards the end, we deliberately communicate a little bit less. We kind of let the let out the let out the line a bit, let them go a bit further on their own, let them ask for help a little bit more rather than just offering it. And this is this is the important part of helping people transition to to doing it on their own, because ultimately, if it's otherwise, if it's just a twelve week program of support, then we're no better than anyone else. Like, what's what happens at the end? What do I do now? Um, you know, just cut cut the cord and hope for the best. <laughs> No, no. So for us, it's about giving people that education and the reinforcement during that time they need the most and the support to be able to create the, the habits, the behaviours, the skills, the tools, the lifestyle that will then go on to, to get the result. I mean, sometimes you can't, you can't lose four or five, six stone in, in 12 weeks and we never make those kind of promises. For us, it's we're going to work with you for, for 12 weeks to give you all of this this education, this understanding about your body, the, the mindset that's going to help you achieve your success long term. So if you get a chance to to watch any of the any of the interviews um, <clears throat> or see any of the comments, a lot of our clients, you know, they follow up with us three, six months later to say how much more progress they've had since we since we stopped because of what they've carried on to do. And for me, that's that's endorsement that what we what we do works because that's our mission is to help as many people as possible achieve lasting transformative change. And I think we'll leave it there because that's really well said. I think it uh, just uh, absolutely epitomises what you do and 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 how how you help people. Um, closing the loop certainly to my friend who you've um, you've helped make you know. Uh, sustainable lifelong changes um so thank you rob and thank you for for what you do um uh, and uh, thank you for speaking to us um i before you go i i have to sadly ask you i ask all my guests a quick fire question um so i'm just going to quickly um say ask you what makes you feel great um for me it's <clears throat> it's being active outdoors love love being outdoors my whole life um and for me i'm i'm thriving whatever the weather on a it could be a rainy day in the in the fields outside my house or it could be on a, an alpine peak um I, I just love being being physically active outdoors being connected to nature obviously it's uh, important isn't yeah. it yeah. <laughs> um what makes you look good oh. <laughs> <laughs> what makes me look good or what makes everyone look good yeah um, what, what do you think what you look in the mirror and goes yeah yeah i mean maybe it's a product or maybe it's a um something that you do that that um... no, this is gonna sound this is gonna sound uh, sound a bit cheesy but i think <clears throat> i think what makes me and everyone look good is a smile um if we're happy and we're exuding that that energy everyone looks good um and and not only do we look good we feel good too and i think there's there's quite a lot of evidence that suggests um that if, if we smile even even the act of smiling triggers chemicals in our brain that makes us feel positive feel happy so yeah everyone looks better for a smile absolutely and uh i think uh, it's i don't care if it sounds cheesy it's absolutely true um even my dog responds to a good old smile so uh, <laughs> yeah. it works yeah. and uh, you're right it changes people's faces doesn't it? it changes their aura their energy 
definitely. when they smile. So yep. that's great. Um, I was I was thinking you might choose a, I don't know, a, a grooming product or something, but that's the yeah. best way of looking good <laughs> for sure. Um, and then um, if you're on a desert island and uh, a lot of us are feeling like we're on a desert island at the moment, but uh, what's the one thing that you just wouldn't be able to do without Apart from a mobile phone, a laptop, and an emergency, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, so this uh, this this might not be as relevant for your audience, but it takes me back to my time <clears throat> in my previous life in, in the Marines, and um, I used to teach survival. So I I know that if I'm on a desert island and I have a knife, I will have a far greater chance of survival than than if I don't. So the thing I would take um, to my desert island would be a little knife fantastic i love it um and for all us uh, women that would take coconut oil i think we could, you've taught us something new which is great yeah. <laughs> survival <laughs> yeah. get that protein in all day they're um, grooming products on my island <laughs> <laughs> fantastic no it's lovely and i think you know you epitomize um really what this um podcast is about it's about feeling great first um and that's really important from the inside out um and again thank you rob very much for um spending the time with us um i think it's really probably apt just to remind people um where they can find you and i'll hand that over to you where can people find you yeah so the the best place is would be to visit our website um or our instagram page um and it's just applesandpears.uk for both we have a we have a website for our studio in Bath, but that really is that's our kind of local local audience. Applesandpears.uk uh, would be the best place for people to find us. And 